At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying his word together. Today, we invite you to tune in for our current series, Reveal, Stories with Purpose as we study the parables of Jesus, reading stories with the power to reveal God's truth in our lives. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to take it out and turn with me to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Uh, we are going to uh, conclude our series uh, taking a look at the parables, at some of the parables that Jesus um, has spoken in time and during his earthly ministry. So Luke chapter 16, we're going to actually begin in uh, verse 19. Yeah, in verse 19. All right, I want to uh, start off today with a quick uh, would you rather, okay? So would you rather today, I gotta find it, would you rather today, right now, if I were to offer you a Hershey bar that could be freely yours, completely yours, that you could eat even during this service, would you rather a Hershey bar or an ounce of silver? Which would you rather? Think, think about that real quickly. Which would you rather have a Hershey bar or an ounce of silver? How many of you would choose the Hershey bar? All right, how many of you would choose the ounce of silver? How many of you are like, I'm not raising my hand regardless of what you say? All right, yeah, I got some of you to raise your hand then. That's awesome. Yeah, and so I was watching YouTube this week, uh, which is, I don't watch a whole lot of YouTube, but I was watching YouTube this week, and a, a guy on the street did a, a, a similar experiment. He went to people on the street, and he uh, had a 10-ounce bar of silver, or a uh, candy bar. And so he went to people and he asked them, which would you rather have? Would you rather have the uh, bar of silver or the chocolate bar? And this is what some of the responses said as soon as my notes come up. Oh, great. I have no notes. All right, well, let's do this note list. <laughs> All right, so, um, so he went to them on the street, and many of them were like, uh, I'll take the chocolate, I'll take the chocolate. And person after person all took the chocolate. And even one of the, one of the women uh, that he asked took the uh, chocolate, and she said, well, what, am I, what would I do with silver? I've got nothing to do with silver. And I remember thinking as I'm watching this video, I'm like, wait a minute, which would I take, first of all? And then second of all, I'm like, I would definitely take the silver, right? Because if you think about it, this chocolate bar has a little bit of value, but this right here, just this one ounce, is worth about $20. And so if I were to take this $20 worth of silver, I could go to any place uh, that deals with coins and deals with money, and I can turn this into cold, hard cash. Now, in that uh, experiment, uh, he had uh, 10 ounces of silver, and so he actually had about $200 worth of money that he was gonna give someone instead of a chocolate bar. And they chose a chocolate bar time and time again. And I, 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 as I watched that video, I thought to myself, man, how do we live in this world where we have such misplaced value, right? We, the, we misplace the value a lot of times. A lot of times, things that we think are important and things, things that we pour a lot of our time and attention to really have little to no value at all. And sometimes I think it, we live in that way because we don't understand the true value of what is before us. And so today, as we, we look at this uh, parable together, what we're going to see, and hopefully we are challenged today by the fact of looking at our values, 
Especially today, I want us to, to look through and truly ask ourselves, how are we placing the value of eternity, eternity and the earthly? How, how do we look at those two things? How do we, do we value eternity over the earthly or do we value the earthly over eternity? And I think it's so important that we ask ourselves this question because this is the question that Jesus is posing with the Pharisees. You know, we've been walking through this sermon series looking at the parables of Jesus as Jesus has been teaching simple stories. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Uh, Simple stories uh, that teach deep theological lessons and that if we miss, if we don't look deeply into them, we can miss the teachings that they give us. So today, we're gonna take a look at one more of Jesus's uh, parables. In Luke chapter 16, verse 19, uh, he is, in all of these parables that he teaches, he's constantly having people that hear these parables rethink the way that they live their lives, the things that they value, and he's reteaching about the kingdom of God. And so today, we're gonna see that Jesus is teaching a parable or speaking a parable to the Pharisees. Now, this is not the first time that we've looked at a parable where Jesus uh, speaks to the Pharisees, but we are going to see that as Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, remember, the Pharisees were supposed to be the religious leaders of the day. They were called by God to lead the people to God. And instead, over the course of time, these Bible guys were actually had become hypocrites. They, had, uh, they were self-righteous, they were self-justified, and Jesus tells them this story today to condemn them and tell them that they've lost sight of the true value of life. And really we see from the Pharisees that there were two major flaws in the way that they operated in their life. Their first major flaw is they exchanged a relationship with the God of the universe for religion. They, they had made their relationship with God, though they had access to God because they were Jews, they had access to God, they chose not to have access to God. Instead, they developed a whole bunch of ritualistic things to do that they thought would actually bring them closer to God, when in reality, it was bringing them further away from God. So that's their first flaw. The second flaw that we're really gonna see today is that they valued the earthly over the eternal. They had lost sight of the fact that God had made them and God has made us eternal beings. Each one of us, though we live a certain amount of time on this earth, when we die, we face eternity. And we see that these religious leaders had had focused in on saying all life is about is the earthly, not the eternal. So they were doing the wrong things, thinking they were right. And Jesus now is going to flip their world upside down. And this is what we're going to see today. The truth that we want to see from Scripture today is that real faith obeys God's word. Real faith obeys God's word. Now, let's take just for a moment. We're going to watch the video of this parable being played out in a cartoon. So let's watch the screen together. Long ago, there lived a certain rich man whose great wealth allowed him the best of all material things. He owned fine jewelry, lived in a big fancy house, wore the finest clothes, and ate only the best foods money could buy. Along with his riches came many friends and the means to host an endless number of lavish parties. He was the center of attention and the envy of all. 
This rich man was important, powerful, and wealthy. He had everything. Just outside the East Gate, there lived a poor man named Lazarus. He begged on the streets for what little food he could get, and the only clothes he owned were the torn and tattered rags that hung from his sickly body. Oh, how he longed for the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. But even the food that no one else cared about was out of his reach. Adding to his misery, the street dogs licked his open sores and fought him for any food he could find. He was despised as one of the dogs. The poor man was unimportant, weak, and needy. He had nothing. One day the poor man died and was taken to heaven. Instantly his agony was replaced with sweet relief and joy. He was no longer alone, but in the presence of Abraham himself. On that same day, the rich man also died and was taken to hell, where his life of privilege and blessing was instantly replaced with the agony of fire and torment. There was a great canyon between the two men, separating heaven from hell. Searching for any relief he could find, the rich man looked up and saw Abraham and cried to him, Father Abraham, please have mercy on me and send Lazarus over to cool my tongue with a drop of water, for I am in anguish in this flame. Abraham explained to the rich man, Son, for he was a descendant of Abraham, in your lifetime you received everything you desired, wealth, position, and the approval and adoration of others. You desired for nothing else. Lazarus has none of that, and now he is comforted here while you are over there in anguish. And besides, no one can pass over from here to there because of the deep canyon separating us. I beg of you, Father Abraham, please send Lazarus to my father's house. I need to warn my family so that they do not also end up here with me in hell. But Abraham responded, They have God's written word from the law of Moses and the books of the prophets. Let that be a warning to them. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, even if Lazarus rises from the dead, it will not convince them of their need to repent. And so, the man who had been rich became poor and miserable, and the man Lazarus, who had been poor, became rich and satisfied forever. So we see from this parable that we're going to walk through together that real faith obeys God's word. And we are going to see what does that look like and how does that, that play itself out in our lives if we hope to obey God's word. Well, the first thing I want us to see from this passage today is that our final destiny is the result of our belief. Our final destiny is the result of our belief. We see in this parable that there were two people. There was the rich man and there was Lazarus. And we see that both of them, though they lived different lives, they also ended up with different eternities. They, their beliefs determined uh, what they, their futures were going to be. So remember that Jesus is here dealing with religious people. He's telling the religious Pharisees, and verse 14, just a couple of verses before this, Luke tells us that these Pharisees were lovers of money. 
these Pharisees had placed such a high value on earthly things. They believed that they were supreme, supremely righteous. They believed that they were superior to other people. They were rich. They were affluent. They were religious legalists. And they believed that their affluence was a sign of God's blessing. They believed that just because they were rich, that God was pleased with their lives. And they were confident that they were living their best life now and that when they would go on to eternity, it wouldn't be much different than it was right now. And we see that they valued money over people. So to get their attention, because they placed, they misplaced value on the earthly over the eternity, and they misused and, and mistreated people for their own pleasure, we see that Jesus tells them this story. And the first person we see is a rich man. And Jesus is most likely referring to the rich man and making a connection between the rich man and the Pharisee. And he says that there was a rich man and there was a poor man. The rich man we see wears expensive clothing. He enjoys outlandish feats. Every day he is self-reliant, self-indulgent, and he's superior to every other human being. But then we see another person show up in this story. And it's a poor man. This poor man uh, has not, doesn't have the ability to live in the palace. He doesn't have a fine home. Instead, he's sent and he's dumped by the gate of this rich man. And Jesus, we see, gives this man a name. Out of all the parables that we've read so far and that we've taken a look at, no one, no character is named. It's either the father, the son, or this or that, or, or the man. But we see now that Jesus gives this man a name. He, I think he's doing this to, to show the difference of, of types of people and it's giving us the difference of not only was there just a rich man, but this was not just a poor man, this man had a name. And he's given us the contrast between the difference between the known and the unknown. You see, the world wants to give uh, the rich man a name and the rich man wants to be the thing that everyone aspires to. But what Jesus is saying is it's not so much about that, but you're known when you take a disposition of being poor in heart and poor in spirit. And we see here that this poor man, his, his condition is heartbreaking. He's been dumped off at the gates of the rich man, covered in horrible, painful ulcers and, and boils all over him. Roaming dogs come and add insult to his injury by licking his wound and therefore not only making him unclean because he's got these sores, but dogs touching him make him even more unclean. And maybe this rich man, or maybe the poor man was laid outside the gate as a test for the rich man. See, the rich man had the means to show mercy. It's not even encouraging to say, hey, come and take this guy in and, and give him the, a seat at the table and all of that. The only thing the guy was wanting was scraps from the table. So he was put there as a test to see if the rich man who had means would show mercy. But we see there was no mercy from the rich man. And as we move on, we see that this parable ends, it follows with death, which is the destiny of each one of us. Each one of us are hurtling right now towards our own death. So encouraging, right? 
We're all hurtling towards our own death. And when we meet death, there's only two places that we will be able to go. We'll either go to heaven, as we see here, or hell. And we see that it's described here in, in the passage either as Abraham's side or Abraham's bosom or Hades. And so Jesus is using both those terminologies to, to describe the two places of eternity, whether it is heaven or it is hell. And as we see that there was a huge difference in their lives, there now is a huge difference in their deaths and their eternities. We see both men died. And we hear that the poor man, look at how the poor man is cared for. Look at in verse 22. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. And so we see the care that this man gets in his death. Though he was uh, ostracized during life, though he went through a horrible, poor life that had a painful existence, we see now in his death, the angels come to his side and escort him into heaven. What a beautiful picture of the faithful and how they are received in death. But then we go on and we see how the, so he was, um, was carried by angels. And the rich man also died and was buried. More than likely, the way that the, the poor were dealt with in death is that when you'd find like a beggar on the street or a poor person, they would be thrown into like an open grave, just tossed aside and cast aside. And we see that's probably what would have happened to this poor man as he would have been cast aside and immediately, though the world did not value him, heaven values him and lifts him up. But then we also see in death, the rich man has a burial. He has a, a fine procession. He has a rich man's funeral where he's buried in a, probably a lavish grave and had all kinds of celebration at his death. But that's where it changes. For though he was buried, though he was honored by this world, when he died, he went to Hades. And it says that he was being tormented. This is the idea of an ongoing, continual, unrelenting torment. That this rich man, though he lived his life for all the things of this world, he missed some important things. He missed faith in God. And because of that now, he is living in a place of absolute torment. So though their lives were different, we now see, and their deaths were different, we now see that their eternities are different. The situation has completely changed. But we see even in Hades, even in hell, that this rich man's posture towards Lazarus hasn't changed. Look at verse 24. As the, poor, as the rich man is there in torment, he's able to see over to the other side. And again, that, that may not be a reality of what it's going to be like, but because Jesus is teaching this parable, he may be, um, may be giving us some insight as to what it might be like. Uh, as far as being able to see both sides, or he may be using it as an opportunity uh, just to, to teach this point about uh, the separation between both heaven and hell. And when we see that while he's there in torment, verse 24, it says, and the rich man called out to Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. What we see here is that Lazarus, or the, the rich man actually knew Lazarus. He knew 
that Lazarus was outside of his gate because he recognized him. He knew his name and he knew he was there. And look at how he treats him still again while he's in torment and Lazarus is in a place of peace. He tells Abraham, Abraham, go get that servant. Go get that person that's lesser of a person than me and ask him to come here and give me some water. Do you see that? And so even in hell, his disposition hasn't changed. And we see a great reversal of status. So he goes to Abraham, expecting Abraham to send Lazarus to relieve his his pain. And now we see how Abraham responds. He tells the rich man two very important things. We see that what has happened is that the, the, the switch between the good and bad things. The poor man in life had all bad things, but now, because of his faith, is full of good things. The rich man had a life that was full and good on earth and now is bad. We see also the difference between comfort and anguish. Lazarus, his whole life was full of anguish and now finds comfort. And the rich man, though his life was full of comfort, now has anguish. But that's the first thing we see this great reversal. The second thing is the truth is that after death, there is no possibility of mobility. There's no possibility of moving up, moving down, moving left, or moving right. There is a huge separation that that is between both of these existence of hell and heaven, and it's a fixed distance that you cannot overcome. The chasm is so great that you can't go from one to the next. This is verse 26. This is besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able to. None of them may cross from there to us. It's like he can't come to you and rescue you and you can't come. It's already determined at the point of your death, your destiny is completely fixed fixed and it's determined. While you have life, you have the opportunity to choose and that you could live towards uh, the greater blessing or live towards the greater disappointment. Now we see the, the poor man, Lazarus, is, is in a place of peace. He's in a place of rest. And we see the, the truth, and, and I think that uh, Jesus is highlighting the fact of the, the heart. The heart matters, like we talked about last week. That it doesn't matter necessarily what you do, but it's what you believe and whom you believe. Because Luke chapter 6, just a few chapters before this, we see Jesus says this, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. What Jesus is getting to, which I think is the biggest challenge of our day and was the biggest challenge of the day there, is that so many times we don't wanna hold on to the promises of heaven. We don't want to wait. Instead, we want instant gratification now. We want to live our best life now. We hear that, right? We, we hear that this is all there is, so go out and have as much fun, amass as much wealth so that you can have as much fun as you possibly can. Don't wait for the future, but instead value the earthly things over the everlasting. What we need to see in this passage, what we believe and what we value determines our eternity. 
Did you hear that? What we believe and what we value determines our eternity. We, we see examples of this every day of people exchanging the earthly for the eternal, believing that this is all there is. We, we see this showing up as, as, in parents, as parents are more concerned about their children climbing the social ladder than they are about teaching their kids about Jesus. We, we see this showing up in kids that know more about a specific video game than they do about a Bible. We, we see this showing up in, in the worldly people as, as uh, people are running after money and material things, that they have given up virtue and spirituality for caring about recessions and stock markets and not putting treasures in heaven. And instead of helping and loving people, we see that people are more concerned about advancing themselves. What we see is people have chosen the candy bar over the silver. This has more value than this. Though this may feed you for a moment, if you take this and check it in, you can go get 20 to 25 of these. And, but you have to take this and you have to wait. You can't instantly take this and eat it. It has no value necessarily in and of itself. It can do nothing for you now, but it can later if you wait and it's greater. This is the challenge for us today. We live in America. We live in one of the richest countries in all the world where people are all over the world are dying and desiring to come to America so that they can have all of this that we have. And what happens for us is a lot of the stuff has become a distraction. It's become a distraction, and we are guilty of being just like that Pharisee, thinking that we are supposed to live our best life now. That we're afraid of suffering, we're afraid of going through difficulties and, and disappointments. And when we go through difficulties and disappointments, we turn and we blame God. When in reality, we should take those times to press in deeper to God. This isn't as good as it gets. We need to change our mindset and realize that eternity is coming. The reward is coming later. Right now we have the blessing of being able to be a child of God, but we don't get all the benefits of being a child of God right now. It's better yet to come. But what God does give us now is he gives us his peace. He gives us his presence and he gives us the promises that we will make it through in this life and in this time. And what we need to see in this, this passage is that our deeds are the outflowing of our faith. This is what I think Jesus is also getting to. We know our faith by what we do. If we take a look at all of our resources and take a look at our time and how we spend our money, it will tell us what our faith is in. You see, this rich man had all the resources to be a blessing to this poor man, and he refused it. Instead, spent all of his money on himself. And he missed an opportunity to be a blessing for others. And I think this is the damage that many of us uh, walk through in our own lives. We see our resources, we see our time, we see our talents, and we see our treasures as something just for ourselves, and we're stingy with those things. Instead of giving them out liberally to others so that others may experience generosity and see the Savior that we follow. What we believe will impact our eternity and our ultimate destination. The second truth I want us to see from this passage is that revelation has been given to direct us. 
so that there are, there are two destinations. That there's either heaven or there's hell. And God hasn't left us here so that uh, we have to figure it out on our own. God has given us revelation to direct us. He's given us so that we would know there's two directions and he would, we would know how we could be in heaven. Look at what he says in verse 27. This is the, the, um, the rich man after he realizes uh, that he can't get out of where he's at, that he's gonna be in torment for the rest of his life. And he says, then I beg you, Father, send him, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers so they, he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. What, what, what Abraham is saying and, and what Abraham is telling this rich man is that God has already given them revelation. They, they have at their fingertips everything they need to know how to live a, a life that honors God, how to live a life that is um, subjective to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This rich man finally sees the reality of his destination. It's not a good place, and he wants to warn others. And so he says, hey, go send Lazarus so that they may hear, so they may know. And Abraham says, no, they already have all the revelation they need. Now, here's this strange thing for us and the true thing for us is just as Abraham uh, was talking about revelation, they have all that they need. We need to come and understand that we have all that we need. We have the direct revelation of God. The God of the universe has revealed to us everything that we need to know, to know him and to be at peace with him and to spend eternity with him. But so many people are, are not willing to even open up the word of God to see what it reveals because they're like, I don't have time. I'd rather live my life now experiencing all the joys and someday later I'll get to this. But I want you to understand that you wanna live a life of peace. You wanna live a life that's free of anxiety. You wanna live a life that's full of faith. We've gotta be people of the word because God's word reveals to us the greatest message of all time. It reveals to us the message of Jesus. So that's what makes all of this the big deal, is that Jesus has come to give us life and to forgive us of our sins. I wanna walk you through, these are some of the icons that we use in our kids' ministry. And if you've got one of the kids' packets, um, it is on the back, back side of one of the sheets. You can follow along with me. Does anyone know what this means? Yeah. God rules, right, or, or Jesus, or God reigns. The kids, I was hoping the kids would be like, yeah, we know this. What this is, is telling us, and it gives us the gospel, is that God rules, that God is the creator of all things, and because God is the creator of all things, he has the right to tell us what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong, and he does, has done so. He's shown us in his word what is good, what is right, what is wrong, and how we can know him. So God rules, he's in charge. And we see, second of all, does anyone know what this? We sinned, thanks, family pastor. Uh, we've sinned. We've taken God's rules, we've taken God's reign, and we've rebelled against it and said, God, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't want you to be the boss of me. And because of that, that's called sin. When we live our own lives unto ourselves, it's called sin. And sin has a punishment. And we see here today. There's, you're either gonna be in, in heaven or you're going to be in hell, a place of eternal torment. And that's the situation and the consequence of our sins. But we see that God loves us so much that 
God provided. Thanks, kids director from the back. We see that God provided. God didn't leave us in our sins, but gave us Jesus. Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, came to live a perfect life. He obeyed God the Father every single step of his life, and he came with the purpose to go to a cross to die for our sins. And on the cross, Jesus took your sin and he took my sin. That if we would believe in that, we could have everlasting life. And so we see what? God gave, what was it? Yeah, he gives us the gift. The gift is eternal life. The gift is salvation. The gift is having our sins forgiven and washed away. And so we are made right between us and God. But what must we need to do? We need to respond. We need to respond to this great gift because here's the greatest challenge of all. There's a lot of people out in the world today that understand the gospel. They know it in their mind. They know that Jesus saves. They know that Jesus forgives and they know that. But many of them never get to this point of lifting up their hands and saying, Jesus, thank you for this gift. I receive it. I receive it by admitting that I'm a sinner. I I receive it by believing that Jesus uh, was raised from the dead. And then I confess that he is Savior and Lord. We have the revelation. Inside of the Bible, God gives us everything we need for life and godliness now, but also it directs us to eternity. We don't need another sign. We don't need another messenger to come and tell us, but we need to be people of the word. I pray that even through this season that you've grown in your appreciation of the word of God, that this has been the place that you've come when when thoughts and fears uh, come at you. I pray that this is the place that you have come. If not, let's make it the place that we come, that we come to. Lastly, I want us to see the third idea is that what will you do with what God has revealed? This is the challenge for all of us. What has God revealed to us? He's revealed to us today that we're on a journey, whether it's to heaven or it's to hell. And the only way that we can be assured that we're going to heaven is through Jesus. And he he has given us his word to help us now. But the question is, what will you do with what God has revealed? We have to do something with this. We can either accept it or reject it. And this is what we see here in this passage. It says in verse 30, and he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So what this rich man is saying is he's saying is go reveal it to them again. If someone rises from the dead, if they see Lazarus who was dead, now come back alive and go to them and tell them that's when they will believe. They, they will, that's the next thing that they need to believe. And that's what so many people get caught up in this world. They're like, I, I'm struggling to know this truth. I know you, but I need something else. I want more revelation. I want more witness. I want to see a miracle. Once I see these things, then I will believe. But Abraham says here, as Jesus says, is that even if they have more and more miracles, they still will not believe. Because what has They have everything that they need that has already been revealed to them. And so either, for even us for today, we either believe that this is the truth and we believe that Jesus is the way or we don't. That's our only choice to either accept it or reject it. And today we must 
um, realize where we are. I pray today that you are in the place of wanting to truly accept this. And you have accepted it. And if you have accepted it, I pray that our lives are living in obedience to God's word. That we are reading it and we're taking it in and we're obeying it and we're walking in his way. So today, as we um, close out our time with God's word, I pray that we've been challenged. I, I pray that even today that you would consider deeply where your treasure is. Are you wanting everything instantaneously and wanting God to answer your prayers right now? Or are you wanting him to, to give you all the blessings now? Or are you convinced that our better life is yet to come and we're waiting as we groan through these seasons that we long to share with what God has given us with others? I pray that's our disposition, especially as we live in a world right now that so desperately needs Jesus more than anything. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your great love for us. And Father, we thank you for your words today that you've shown us uh, that there is really only two destinations in life, that once we go from this life, we either will spend eternity in heaven or we'll spend eternity in hell. And Father, we thank you that you've also given us a way so that we may know the way to heaven and that it comes only through Jesus. So if we're here today and we have faith in Jesus, let us celebrate that. Let us be people that shout to the heavens all of the ways we're thankful for your salvation and your forgiveness. But Father, also help us to not be stingy with the message. Help us uh, use every resource that we have to share with others about your great love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together this week. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and to get you connected to the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.